Broadcasting live from the Subaru of Gwinnett Studio inside the Sonesta Gwinnett Place Atlanta Hotel. It's time for Travel Safely with Brian Mulligan. Travel Safely is presented by Applied Information, creator of the Travel Safely smartphone app. Welcome everybody to Travel Safely, the business talk show bringing you the latest in innovation from transportation, technology and entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Brian Mulligan, coming to you from the Subaru Business Radio X studio in Gwinnett, Georgia. The show is sponsored by Applied Information, a technology company here in Gwinnett, focused on using technology to save lives and improve traffic. Our guest today is Nima Devari, who is the Community Affairs Manager for Lyme in the state of Georgia. Welcome, Nima. Thank you, Brian. Thank you for having me. Our topic of the day. One of the vexing problems for transit operators is how to get riders from common stops and stations to their final destination. This is called the last mile. In most instances, up until now, this was done on foot and was a real deterrent to some people taking transit. But leave it to the private sector and the innovators of this world to come up with a clever solution. Micromobility, scooters, electric scooters, Nima, thanks for joining me, and let's talk about what you guys do. Absolutely. So to start off with the uh, Nima Devari story, uh, this is also human interest. W- w- you know, how did how did how did you come to be in uh, in micro mobility? And I believe that you've uh, been since 2005 without a car. How does that work? Yeah. So uh, I went to law school in New York City, and I was living in Manhattan at the time. Uh, I didn't love riding the subway, and I, so I started biking to class. It was, you know, pretty okay. Uh, this was in 2005, uh, six, uh, and I started biking to class, and it really worked for me. And I sort of kept with it through New York, through Los Angeles, through Honolulu, and now here in Atlanta. Uh, I prior to joining Lime, I was the director of development for the Hawaii Bicycling League, which is the statewide nonprofit for bicycle advocacy in Hawaii. Oh, and before wow. that, I was an entertainment attorney. Um, so it was a career shift, but again, having been an alternative transportation advocate since about 2005-6, I was like one of the only people who would ride the bus in LA. Uh, I, you know, I was at the bike league. LinkedIn sent me a message saying Lime was coming to Hawaii. Uh, we had been following all of the dock-free bicycles on the mainland here through the bike league and seeing how they were really working. Uh, they do have a docked bike share system in Honolulu as well. So, you know, staying in that space as it was evolving and growing, this was back in 2017-ish, 18. Uh, and then I joined Lime, and here I am. Moved around from Honolulu, did some work in Los Angeles in community affairs, uh, and now here in Georgia for community affairs. Well, there's one thing that the uh, the scooter community, and I put uh, Lime and your competitors have done, is kind of been like a breath of fresh air in the transportation space. I mean, so one day there was no scooters and then now there's scooters everywhere. And so the adoption has been pretty quick. Oh, it's amazing. In fact, one of the MARTA board members here told me that he has been in transportation for about 30 years and has never seen so much conversation happen so quickly around something. Yeah. And that's quite interesting. You know, for the implied information we're in the transportation sector as well and the two schools of thought one is it's the greatest thing ever and other people saying well what we need to do is regulate these guys and ban them and so forth yeah that's uh that's been quite the challenge um we are for regulation we proactively work with the governments uh in the cities that we go into uh but it needs to be reasonable and we need to balance the public interest with the good and you know all that stuff so let's start off with the big picture 
So the whole idea of micromobility, I mean, that's a term that most people don't know. What, what does that mean? And yeah, how did you come about? We look at it for about those under three mile trips. So trips that are three miles or less. It's not very efficient to use a, you know, several thousand pound vehicle that burns fossil fuel to go one mile with a single occupant in it. That's just not a very healthy, efficient way to move about these short distances, these micro distances. Uh, and we think products like e-bikes, scooters, bicycles, walking, any sort of other mode of transportation outside of a fossil fuel burning vehicle is probably a better way to go these micro distances. So let, let's talk about your employer, Lime. How, how did it start and what are the company's solutions at the moment and where do you see it all going? Yeah, we have uh, a lot of solutions. So we, uh, sc our scooters are about a year old. We launched our first scooter market in February of 2018 in San Diego, but we were in the micromobility space uh, for a while prior to that. We launched our first pedal bicycle market in Greensboro in June of 2017. Then we launched e-bikes uh, in September of 2017, scooters in February of 2018, and we've released our Lime Pods either December or January of this year in Seattle, which are dock-free. I mean, all cars are, but it's a car uh, that you can use and working towards having a shared fleet of electric vehicles spread out throughout cities in the U.S. Yeah, because that's uh, the, the thing that I can't help thinking about is when you come to uh, young people driving scooters. Yeah, I see that. But when you have people you know, my age with gray hair, are, am I really going to ride a scooter or am I going to jump in some kind of golf cart? Yeah, I mean, I think it's all up to the individual. So really, it's about providing options, right? The more options there are, the more likely it is someone will adopt an alternative mode of transportation instead of saying, you can either take this bus that comes once an hour or you can drive or nothing. So having a, a fleet of vehicles available uh, is really the best way to get people out of their cars for these short distance trips. Uh, and speaking of age, I mean, in fact, over 25% of our riders are over the age of 37. Um, so this isn't just something that's for young people or just for college students. Um, our median age is 32, but 25% of our riders are over the age of 37. Yeah, I mean, I suppose it's like all things, it's just a case of getting used to it. And uh, uh, But one of the things that uh, might be a, a, a bridge and, and just thinking about how applied information and travel safely, this connect, everything connected to everything changes everything, is thinking that it's not just scooters, but it's two-wheel scooters, four-wheel scooters, bigger scooters, two-person scooters, electric golf carts, the whole range right up to, to electric automobiles. Absolutely. And I think that is the way to look at transportation, right? What is the best fit for that particular trip? One of the things I really like about the concept of LimePod is that if someone like me, for instance, when I'm going to the grocery store, I, I might need a car to get my groceries back, but I certainly don't need a car on my way there. I'm just a single person. So in theory, I could scoot to the grocery store using zero emissions and minimal energy, minimal footprint, buy all my groceries, put them into a Lime pod, and then drive them back so that I'm using a larger vehicle only for a one-way trip instead of a two-way trip. Yeah, that's not, not a bad idea. It's the right size vehicle for the right trip. But, but what about safety? I mean, we, I've, I see everybody whizzing up and down at 40 miles an hour, up, up and down the middle of the road without helmets. We've heard stories about... Uh, about accidents and injuries and things. I isn't it dangerous out there? Well, certainly no one at 40 miles an hour. I don't think any of the scooters uh, go that quickly. 
Um, I know that in Atlanta, uh, per the city ordinance, we throttle the speed at 15 miles per hour. Okay. Um, so through uh, firmware and software, we're able to control the speed of the vehicle depending on what the government dictates uh, in that area. So nothing at 40 miles yeah, an hour. All right, do it. But that's, the cars are going at 40 miles an hour, and that is a concern, right? So safety is our top priority. Uh, and that's one of the things that keeps me invested in Lime is that we really put an emphasis on safe riding, including things like our $3 million global campaign called Respect the Ride, through which we gave away a quarter million helmets. That's 250,000 helmets that we distributed um, across our markets and ongoing efforts uh, like here. In fact, uh, tomorrow I am speaking at the Decatur Recreation Center with uh, the city manager's office and the people who are enacting an ordinance there. We have a temporary operating agreement in Decatur. And part of this session tomorrow is for public input, for feedback from the community on the things that they would like to see as Decatur puts together their final ordinance. So, so one of the things, uh, let me ask you, would you like to see dedicated scooter lanes? A hundred percent. And not, I, I, let me take bicycles, that back. Bicycles, yeah, not bicycles scooter lanes, scooters. I, but low, uh, lightweight vehicle lanes. So whatever that is, whether it's a skateboarder or a cyclist or a rollerblader or a scooter rider, I absolutely, and I don't think I'm alone in this, would love to see separate infrastructure, protected, separated bike lanes, like we see in a lot of the Nordic nations and you know parts of Canada. Even in New York City here, they've done a phenomenal job over the past decade of putting in, I want to say dozens, maybe even hundreds of miles of protected bike lane or separated bike lane or painted bike lane throughout the five boroughs. So if New York City can do it, certainly Atlanta and Georgia can do it. Yeah, it would seem to be that that's a, a comparatively inexpensive way of providing um, last mile con connectivity uh, by providing dedicated lanes, because what you're doing is really just talking about restriping existing roadway Exactly. And, and possibly putting in a curb or a, a separator, but essentially low cost compared with the idea of bus rapid transit, where you're talking about multi-billion dollar investment to put additional you know, vehicle lanes everywhere. Absolutely. And these uh, bike lanes, as they're called, lit lanes is what a term that the Atlanta Bicycle Coalition throws around a lot. But having these lanes, it doesn't just support scooters, right? It provides a safer space for all modes of lightweight vehicle transportation, including people who are in like an electric wheelchair, let's say. I think that would be a much more uh, comfortable ride for people who are going a longer distance in, let's say, an electric wheelchair in a lane, as opposed to on an unmaintained sidewalk, of which we have plenty. Right. And so that's also an issue. In other words, should the sidewalks be repurposed into combined sidewalks and uh, and light vehicle lanes or I mean because currently does the scooters do the scooters run on the sidewalks or do they run in the road run in the road so you're supposed to operate them in the road per ordinance per our regulations and agreement there are only a few markets in the world where the governments want the scooters to be operated in this in the sidewalk on the sidewalk and that's not something that we really advocate but if that's what the city wants we work with them to comply with that it would seem to be perhaps an idea, and maybe we can discuss this uh, after the break, is perhaps the scooter folks and the alternative mobility folks getting together with folks like ourselves who mainstream uh, transportation technology folks to possibly talk about some of the um, um, trade associations and the lobbying and advocacy groups that, that, that we participate in which uh, might make this whole transportation uh, thing work better. So uh, 
I guess they'll have to come back after the break to yeah. see uh, what my answer is. Yeah, excellent. Yeah, so on that note, 30 seconds with Sarah. This is your 30 seconds or less with Sarah. Volvo is demonstrating its commitment to Vision Zero in a big way. Vision Zero is an initiative to reduce the number of traffic fatalities on highways to zero, and Volvo's new take on the idea is to install in-car cameras. These cameras will monitor driver behavior, looking for distracted or intoxicated driving, and bring the car to a slow stop. This camera is specifically looking for you to take your hands off the wheel, your eyes off the road, or other behavior that might indicate some impaired driving. Critics claim that this might violate driver privacy, but the auto manufacturer has responded that no video will be stored. Back to you, Brian. In case you are just joining us, this is Travel Safely with Brian Mulligan. How to save lives, improve traffic, drive commerce, and help the environment. With our guest, Nima Dvari, who is the Community Affairs Manager for Lyme in the state of Georgia. So let's talk about the idea of collaboration. Uh, sometimes the tech industry and uh, entrepreneurs get the uh, uh, reputation that all you guys are trying to do is poke everybody in the eye. <laughs> That's definitely not the case. <laughs> <laughs> so so do you think there'd be a, a sense that um, the line would be open to, to the idea of perhaps collaborating and uh, with, 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 the, with the regular intelligent transportation folks and... Yeah, I mean, that's definitely uh, a much bigger conversation than me as someone who's uh, assigned to Georgia specifically as opposed to federally. But two of my colleagues based out of D.C., Taylor Bennett and Ben LaRocco, work very closely with other providers, with you know government. They have a much longer history in working with government, especially out of D.C. than I do. Uh, so I don't have any specific answers to that, but I know it's some ongoing conversations that we've been having with the other operators, with other stakeholders who are interested in seeing some sort of... Um, trade association or federal body or something like that. Right. It's uh, One of the things that's quite interesting is uh, that the city transportation infrastructure, there are 10,000 cities, counties, and states that design, that build, buy, operate, and maintain traffic equipment. So what it is, is it's very diverse. It's very fragmented. Uh, and one of the things that perhaps is an idea, I know you're going to be speaking at ITS Georgia next month, but come along uh, to our next meeting, uh, which is, uh, is tomorrow the, on Wednesday. And what it is, is uh, this is a panel session um, of instead of being the private sector or the OEMs versus the government, the idea is to talk about um, the private sector and the government. And this uh, would be a a really, you know, appropriate topic to maybe talk about is, you know, this advent of scooters and how we work with the government just here in Georgia. Absolutely. So we do work with government really closely. One of the things that I'm really proud of at Lyme is since day one, since the very beginning of our company, we have shared all of our movement data, all of our mobility data freely with the governments and the college campuses on which we operate. So right now, the city of Atlanta and the city of Decatur, they have access to the very same tools that I use, to the same dashboards that I log into to look at our metrics. And we give all of that to the city so they can see how their streets are being used, how the scooters are performing, which neighborhoods, which stops are seeing the most ridership. Uh, and there's also MDS, Mobility Data Specifications, which is like an open source feed 
uh, that I'm just learning all this. So I'm like a community organizer and alternative transportation. I am not a data scientist or anything like that. But the way one of my colleagues, Leon, explained it to me, who oversees our data, uh, he explained it like a library. We have this whole trove of information and data. But when you go into a library, you're not looking to check out every single book. You're looking for very specific books from that library. And MDS allows the cities, through a partnership with, let's say, Remix or Populous or someone who synthesizes this information, to give the cities access to the mm -hmm. information they're looking for, whether it's pickups and drop-offs or certain intersections or whatever that data is. Right. Because all of Okay. And, and, and I think that one of the key things that everybody's looking for is how to reduce congestion. So what we can do is perhaps, you know, focus on, on that as some low-hanging fruit. If uh, people using micromobility to get to transit, they're so, not driving a car. Yeah, and we have that data, which is amazing. Um, so nationally, we're seeing about 30% of our rides are displacing a car trip, whether that's a personal car trip or an Uber or a Lyft or a taxi or some sort of other, you know, fossil fuel burning vehicle. 30% nationally, and it's a little bit closer to 40% here in Atlanta. Uh, same with stopping or starting at a public transit station. So we saw, I believe the number in Atlanta is 37% of our rides stop or start at a public transit station. I know in Mexico City, which is North America's largest city, it's 64.2% of our rides stop or start at a public transit station. So two thirds of our rides uh, are connecting people to transit. We well, know that, that reduces congestion. Yeah, and that's fantastic. And what we're, we're in the business of making transit work better by getting them through green lights and things like that. And collectively, there's a compelling story here from the technology space to say this is the practical ways that we're reducing traffic. This is the practical ways we're reducing congestion. And I think it behooves us uh, as the technology guys to get this message out there. And certainly this... Uh, this program is part of that. So, Nima, let's talk about your operation in Georgia. When, when did Lime hit the streets? And uh, June twenty fourth, twenty eighteen, uh, was our first rollout of scooters in Atlanta. Wow! And 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 um, so it's not even a year yet. Not even a year, about eight months. And then we started in Decatur uh, a while after that, and then we also operate at uh, Georgia State University Greensboro, uh, Greensboro, Statesboro. There's quite a bit of competition. I know you guys have, have competitors. How do you differentiate yourself? And uh, will we see even more scooters from Lime on the streets? Yes and yes. Uh, I, there are a lot of competitors out there. And I actually really like talking about it because I feel very comfortable with our position in the market. Uh, you know, we have our new Gen 3 scooter that we rolled out in a few markets this year. Uh, and we're going to hope to roll out across the rest of the United States and the world. It has uh, dual suspension front shocks, it has larger tires, it has a color LED screen. Um, it's just definitely a much more robust, smooth experience. But even prior to that, I, I don't know exactly which model we're on, but we I have been with the company for 13 months. I'm a very old employee, having only been a two-year-old company. Uh, and I, I want to say we're on our like sixth modification of scooter, maybe even further than that. So we're constantly innovating on our scooter itself. And one of the big differences between our scooter and competitor scooters is that ours is custom designed and custom manufactured for us. It is a commercial grade scooter, as opposed to some of our competitors here in the US and around the world, which use a consumer grade scooter. It's the same Swagatron or Segway scooter that you and I can order on Amazon right now. And and those types of scooters are not made to see the amount of usage that a right. commercial grade scooter does. Okay, so that makes your scooters more reliable and uh, 
and the whole trip more more pleasurable. Correct, and that's for the scooter itself. Then looking at our operations, unlike some of the other companies, we have 24 hours on the ground, human operators all day, every day, servicing our scooters. A morning shift that puts the scooters out and responds to requests to move scooters about. Afternoon shift does the same thing. Evening shift that collects all of our scooters. The only work that we outsource to independent contractors is charging the scooters. And anyone can sign up to be a juicer. And our Lime Juicers, every night at 9 p.m., we put a bounty out on each of the scooters, ranging from 2 to $20 per scooter, so you know ahead of time how much that scooter is worth. And now you can reserve that scooter on the app, so you reserve it, you go pick it up, take it home and charge it, put it out the next day, and we direct deposit the agreed upon price into your account within 48 hours. Some people make $5 a month doing this. Some people make $600 a weekend doing this. So our operations and our hardware are the two things that make us leaps and bounds further along than some of our competitors in the space. This is, this is fascinating because what it is is just shows that we can introduce, we, in transportation, I've been in the transportation business for more than 20 years, and uh, we talk about multimodal you know, transportation and things like that. And here a new mode of transportation has just popped up in front of our eyes in the last two years, and, uh, and we all potentially can benefit from, from it, you know, from reducing congestion, and reducing the number of trips that uh, that folks are doing in their cars. Absolutely. I mean, I think just even today, so the, for the people who are listening, you know, we're not in Atlanta proper right now for this uh, interview, even though that's where I live. So I managed to take a scooter to the MARTA, took the MARTA to the Doraville stop, and then took a rideshare service over to here, and I will reverse that trip on the way back. That's fascinating. Well, thanks so much, Nima, for coming in. And thanks for listening to Travel Safely, brought to you by Applied Information, the show about transportation, technology, innovation, and entrepreneurship. Today, we've been talking about micromobility and last mile commuting with Nima Duvari, the Community Affairs Manager for Lyme for the State of Georgia. Nima, thanks for all you do and helping making Georgia a better place for all of us. Thank you so much for having me. It was great to be here. Until next time, this is Brian Mulligan signing off from Business Radio X and travel safely.